So I just want to just want to um, talk a little bit about kingdom apostleship. Hallelujah. And so I'm not going to be long on it, but this is not my message, but it's just something that I just want to share. Um, that um, authentic apostles can function in a duality of ministry and business. You see, Paul was an apostle. He was an apostle, and yet by occupation, he also was a tent maker. A tent maker. Yet in all that he and the apostles did, even those who were fishermen by trade, they learned over time to never allow their personal lives to supersede their respective callings. I'll say that again. Even those who were fishermen by trade, they learned over time to never allow their personal lives to supersede their respective callings. When God calls you to a specific calling, amen, you need to follow after that calling and live in it. So individually and collectively, they live for serving in the ministry and the word of reconciliation as Christ's ambassadors. Hallelujah. So Jesus went about reconciling the world to himself. Amen. And so they also lived and died daily. And the Bible says to take up your cross daily and follow after Jesus. And so they lived and died for the purpose of Christ being formed in those that they were ministering to. Just like when I walked into a church, I was changed that day. And so I was being ministered to by the Holy Spirit, but I was changed that day. And so the apostles' attitude was that their death to self and endurance through their persecution would be that Christ would be formed in those who were being served the truth. And friends, I'm about truth. I'm about truth. The Bible says, they that know the truth, the truth will what? Set them free. Who's the truth? That's his name. Well, that's one of his names. I am the way, I am the truth and the life. Nowhere, no one can get to the Father but by me. Amen? Yeah. And so authentic apostles in the 21st century have on themselves the care of the church. They have the care of the church. And you know, they're the ones that come along and put things in, into perspective. They're the ones that come along and, and corrects the little, little things that are not that right. So he sets in order. And so, and therefore they live to equip the church by training them to live submitted to Jesus' commandments as kings. 
and to go forth as the people of God doing the work of the ministry in maturity as the body of Christ. And I just wanna say this, and I've felt the Lord saying to me when I was sitting over there and that little girl got up and spoke, the first one, and, um, and I felt that, you know, the Lord is saying to some of you here tonight, uh, today, sorry, I know where I am. Um, that some of you haven't really come into full maturity in God. And God wants, you, wants to bring you into that place. He wants to cut off all those little things that we, we tie ourselves to, that we think is what Jesus doesn't want us to do. So when you come into full maturity, nothing of this world system will ever take you backwards. Nothing. When you come into full maturity in God, you know, it, it, our life depends upon it. Our lives depend upon it. And I don't wanna be a doom and gloom person to bring you any doom and gloom message, but what I'm saying is, is the truth. Amen? And so there are many that profess to be apostles today who know neither the doctrines or the protocol for kingdom living and advancement. And I tell you what, even in amongst our people, there's, there's fellows running around saying, I'm an apostle or I'm a prophet or I'm a pastor. And they really haven't been appointed, they really haven't been anointed. But all of a sudden, someone tells them that you're an apostle, or someone tells them that, that they're uh, um, a uh, prophet. And so they run around saying that they're this and they're that, but pretty soon they fall over because they haven't, they haven't uh, developed sound doctrine. They haven't been developed with sound doctrine, I should say. And, uh, and so then they fall, they get into trouble. You see, they fall over and they make a mess of their lives and then pretty soon they're back in the world. I've seen it time and time again. And so, you know, it's, it, it's um, biblical to be um, trained with sound doctrine. Sit under sound doctrine. Hallelujah. And so of all the attributes of apostleship that can be found in the Bible, one of the hallmarks of apostleship is that deep respect, that reverence they have for God and for one another. You see, apostles, stay teachable as Peter proved himself to be in submitting to Paul's correction. Obviously they looked at Paul as a, the stronger one, the chief one, the chief of apostles, yes. 
And so Paul was, most of his letters was about correcting the church, realigning the church back to its original pattern. Amen? So you can't get away from it. It's about kingdom living. Hallelujah. It's about living for a king and his kingdom. Amen? We can't get away from it. And so apostles stayed teachable as Peter proved himself to be in submitting to Paul's correction and in their collective selflessness, they loved not their own lives even unto death. And boy, didn't they die some terrible deaths. But that's been sold out for the king that they followed, the master they followed, the one that told them that there'll be persecution along the way that the road's not going to be easy. It's going to be a rough road. And you'll be hated and you'll be scorned and you'll be mocked. You'll be killed for my name's sake. So in other words, having found a truth, they were willing to die for the truth that they might win Christ. How many of you here today are willing to die for Jesus? How many are you willing to die for Jesus? Not many. I'm not here to put you on the spot, but how many are willing to die? How many of you are willing to die to yourself? Every day, when you wake up in the morning, you should be willing to die to yourself. And when you come together like this, it's about rending your heart before you come under God. You know, things that are happening in this world as, as uh, uh, a darkening effect, if we're influenced by it, and if we fall into its snare, the devil wants to tra- trap us and snare us every step of our way to glory. He don't want you to go there. He wants you to go down there. And I don't know about you, but I know that hell is a real place. That's what my Bible says, it's it's a real place. It's a lake of fire. But he never created that for us. He created created it for the, the devil and his cohorts, fallen angels. Is there anything in hell that you'd want? Absolutely not. You would not want your worst enemy to go to that place. Not even Hitler, as cruel as a man as he was. You would not want him to go to that place. It's a place of torment. Hell is, the Bible says hell is a lonely place. But I want to tell you about the kingdom of heaven. It only takes to, us to walk a, a narrow road And even though the scriptures say that very few find it, just a a narrow road 
to get there. And it tells us not to look to the left nor to the right, but keep our eyes on Jesus as we walk in that narrow road. Right to the end. We're, we're actually put in a race. You know, I, I often share this testimony about a, a runner in an Olympic Games. You know, he ran from, a, from one of those poor countries and he ran in the marathon in, in the Olympics and uh, he was coming dead last. And, uh, and, you know, he's stumbling and falling over but he kept getting up and, and uh, it was something like nearly 11 o'clock at night that he finally reached the stadium. And you know, and he had all scratches and bruises all over him from falling over and, and, uh, and he kept, but just kept on going. And he finally finished, finally went over the finish line. And one of the uh, officials said to him, mate, he said, why did you keep running? You knew you wasn't gonna win. Why did you keep running? And you know what his answer was? He said, my country didn't send me to win the race, but they sent me to finish the race. And boy, didn't he finish it. What a man. What a, what a, a illustration of the goodness of God. We've got a, we've got a um, race to run and you and I need to finish it. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. And so Jesus said, the way to tell the false front from the genuine is that you will know them by their fruit. Whoever is directing you to them may not truly be serving him. Hallelujah. I think sometimes we just coast through our own lives without thinking much about it. Where will I spend eternity? What is my God-given identity? What puts me in the palm of Jesus' hand? You know, sometimes we, we um, our daily lives are like this. And it's like this, I got up, I went there, I went here, I went over there, you know, and I ate this and then I went back to sleep. I know some of you work, but constantly along the way, we tend to make choices. What to wear, what to eat, who to vote for and who not to vote for, who to say yes to and who to say no to. And at some point in our lives, we choose whether to believe in Jesus or whether not to believe in Jesus. And if we choose to believe, we choose a view of Jesus we want to believe. Sometimes we can put Jesus in a box. And sometimes we can be like this, well, Lord, you can have this part of me, but you can't have this part of me. 
And so we see the, choose a view of Jesus we want to believe, one only of love and compassion or one of deliverance or one of obedience. Our entire lives are a series of related decisions and many of us have come to a crossroad in our lives and it's either we're damned if we do and damned if we don't attitude. You know? And so already today we've made decisions that impacted where we are right now or what we're wearing. I'll tell you what, I thought very hard about what I was going to wear this morning. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to look bright or... But anyway, that really didn't concern Jesus as long as I was in, the, in church. Amen? And I often think about what the end times church would be like. You know, when people come in here with, well, we've got a few of them here, a couple of them here now all tattooed up, but you know, the real rough and tough looking blokes, you know, and, and uh, people with all different colours in their hair and dreadlocks and all that kind of stuff. How would you react? They come walking through that door and they get here before you and they take your seat. Well, believe it or not, some of us may get upset. Some of us may even leave the church. Well, what are these people doing here? They're not regular people. What are they doing? They're, and they're even sitting in my seat. Come on. Look, I don't care what colour, what creed, what you look like on the inside or what you look like on the outside. I will love you. Why? Because you're a person that God loves. You see, and God loves me. And so my attitude is that I can love you because God loves me. And I don't care if you're sitting in the gutter, if you're stoned off your head over there on the corner. It doesn't bother me. You know why? Because I've been there and done that. But God tells us to love. Love your fellow man. And I don't care if you, you know, you're sleeping under a tree over here. Or if you're just laying under a piece of tin. And I've seen that in Aboriginal communities. I don't, that doesn't bother me. I'll still love them. And I will go to them. You see, we're not looking for hand-ups. We're looking for, not looking, sorry, not looking for hand-outs, we're looking for hands-up. And so, when you can give somebody a hand-up, and, and you, did, you guys did it to one of our boys from Burke, and you even named a, where is he? A little boy after him. You loved him. And that was so special for him to be accepted and to be loved by you guys. Pastor Brian, you've made an impact on, on that young man. Amen? 
And that's how you impact the nation. That's how you impact people. Just gotta get rid of your self-righteous ways, you know? Because it's not about you. It's not about me, but it's about Him. Amen? You still love me? Amen. I love you too. And so there are some decisions that we make are of very little importance. But some have life or death consequences. How and why and when we choose or reject Jesus impacts so many other areas of our lives. Sometimes it affects what we wear, it affects who we vote for. And so when we look at the early life of the ministry of Jesus and the people of Nazareth that faced a decision about Jesus, that decision will lead to consequences. And I'm just going to read one scripture. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. from the first verse it says this then Jesus being filled with the Holy Ghost returned from the Jordan why do I put these things on here I've got receipts and everything in here key cards and everything Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And then the devil took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all this will be yours. And Jesus answered him and said, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. You know, we read about the Bible and uh, about why Satan got kicked out of heaven or Lucifer at the time. You know, I, I believe that um, he was the most powerful being after God and he was sort of like God's right hand man. But then he tried to usurp his authority over God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to take God's place. And so that, was, that caused his fall. But I want to say this, that he never lost his power. Do you know that? He never lost his power. But I want to tell you that that power that he now possesses is an illegitimate power. You see? 
So he's still a powerful being, but he uses illegitimate power to rob you of your life and to take you to a lost eternity. And so there's many people walking around today. You know, the Bible tells us back in Genesis that he's, he's given us the power and authority. Back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he's given it to us that we're meant to be the ruling and reigning authority on the face of the earth. And we are meant to put the enemy in, in their place. We are meant to. We are meant to put Satan in his place. We're meant to put him under our feet. We're meant to tramp him into the ground. We're meant to tell him to, to flee, get away from me. We're meant to speak deliverance, people who are demon-possessed. And I've seen people that were demon-possessed and I've seen deliverances. And they're real. But I want to tell you, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. It's the same with you. You have power and authority over every wicked demon spirit that tries to come and attack you. You see, God doesn't want you to be kicked from pillar to post. But some of you allow the devil to kick, to do just that. Where all, all the time Jesus is saying, I rebuke you, Satan telling you to rebuke him, to flee from him. To tell him this, you can come this far, but you're not coming any further. Eh? You're not coming any further. Because I'm of a different kingdom. I'm of the Father's kingdom. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. So it was back in that time, point in, in the life of Jesus that he had affirmed that spiritual, eye, uh, spiritual eyes often precede spiritual tests. So just when you think you're on a soaring, you know, and the enemy comes along and tries to distract you. When Jesus is saying, come this way, this is the way, walk you in it. And the enemy trying to sway you to come this way. Hallelujah. And so our true identity in Christ, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 and 17, and I'll just read it, I'm nearly finished. 16 and 17. It says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. And this is saying this about you. This is Jesus talking to you this morning. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. When you say liberty to the captives, can anyone explain that? The liberty to the captives. It's those that are bound. 
and are in captivity by the enemy. Those that are demon-possessed, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, you and I are meant to put ourselves in that scripture. That was for our teaching, that was for our um, purpose on the face of the earth. We are meant to preach the good news. Jesus came and he did that. Now he wants us to do it. Amen? And so Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through all the surrounding region and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read that scripture. And friends, the ministry of reconciliation belongs to us all. And so there are many people out there that are hurting, many people out there that are uh, caught up in their own little world. You know, this, you know, if you look at the scripture where Paul said, I became like them, that I might win some to the Lord. And I really believe that he, what he's saying is that I, I was in exactly the same place. So I know about their situation. And so I go to them to, that I might win somebody, some of them to, to Christ. And there's many people that are living in their own little world, caught up in circumstance, bound by the enemy, and they're just wanting you to open your heart, to go beyond your means, to go beyond yourself. strip off the pride and walk in humility before all men that we might win some of them to Christ. That we might win all of them to Christ. Amen.